Hello there, I'm Jackie Stern and welcome to my Coaching Conversations podcast. My intention is to give people a sense of the coaching process through listening in on my conversations with others who've received coaching and also with experts in the field. You will hear how coaching has supported people to tap into the best of themselves as they manage their organisation, their business or their teams as they face into the future. And you'll also hear how coaching has enabled people to achieve a desired shift in their working life, whether that's pursuing their purpose, achieving promotion perhaps, starting a new business or a new project, or creating a better work-life balance. I've lined up some marvellous speakers to chat with me. So this month's guest is Sarah Rosenthaler. Good morning, Sarah. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Jackie. A very good morning to you too. And we're facing into these uncertain times, aren't we, of COVID-19? We are yeah. Have you survived through this or perhaps even thrived as some people have? Do you know, I'm happy to say, I'm grateful to say it has been survived and thrived. Like many of us, I've adapted my work to be fully online and I've learned some really useful skills in that process, uh, mostly in the territory of how to coach a whole team on Zoom. So that's been a good challenge. Brilliant. That's really good to hear. So, so well, welcome to Coaching Conversations podcast. Thank you. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have this opportunity to chat to you about your work as a leadership consultant and coach and discuss what has led you into an exploration of purpose and into the writing of your second book, Powered by Purpose. No mean feat. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been a, a labour of love. Uh, and I'd stress the word love, um, and it's required quite a lot of patience and perseverance. So it took me about three years to write, but I'd say there's a sort of 20-year backstory to the book, really, and we can come mm. on and cover a bit of that. Yeah. yeah, that would be good to do. So Sarah's the founder of Bridgework Consulting and is a chartered business psychologist. She works frequently in collaboration with others. She has deep expertise in coaching teams and in making dialogue authentic. And that's the subject of her first book, How to Have Meaningful Conversations. Now, Sarah's increasingly focusing on organisations that want to be a force for good in the world. And so her second book, which is published at the end of September 2020, has been written with that aim in mind. So, Sarah, thanks again for being so kind to talk to me about Powered by Purpose for this podcast. And we're talking just ahead of publication. We are. We are. Um, Sarah and I first met a few years ago when she was working alongside Ed Rowland, uh, delivering groundbreaking training in systemic coaching. And it was with Ed that you developed the Purpose Diamond, a tool that I use in my coaching 
And your book explores how identifying and working with compelling purpose enables and supports organisations and their leaders to be a force for change. And that's very exciting and also deeply timely. But before we dive into that, I wonder if we could spend a little time with your own personal purpose. As our personal purpose is the foundation on which team and organisational purpose rest. Would that be okay? Of course, yes. Yeah. So I've heard you tell the story of your young adult self-adventuring as an illustration of how you found your personal purpose. And you share it at the beginning of the book. However, there's a lovely quote in the book as well from a leader who, thanks to your coaching, has rediscovered his mojo. And he says, in response to a comment of yours, that you're dealing with the most complex machine of all, the human mind. That's your purpose, isn't it? Helping leaders like me to switch the lights back on inside. Was he right? Hmm. I think he was right. And I smile when I remember that moment. Um, it was after the last coaching session. Uh, we were walking along a street in London. And he kind of got me in terms of I think I am all about switching the lights back on inside uh, for leaders. So helping to create um, or reconnect with a sense of aliveness, um, a sense of belonging in the workplace and in one's role in helping daily work to become more meaningful. And that really does stem from my own experience in my 20s. I, I'd say much more about it in the book of just really losing my own way and going into quite a dark place where there, there wasn't much light because I think I'd wandered off my path. I wasn't living my purpose. And so some of the deeper energy for writing comes from the difference I know inside myself that it makes when we feel we're on our path following our North Star versus having, you know, and there can be all sorts of good reasons for this, wandered off our path and got lost. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and just to kind of try and attempt to describe the purpose diamond, so mm -hmm. invite anybody listening to imagine a diamond shape here. At, at the bottom of it, at the kind of point that's, if you like, at the south, is inherited purpose. So I wonder if we could work our way around that diamond a little bit and start with, with that inherited purpose as you see it now, looking back. What was the purpose that you feel that you inherited? Yeah, and maybe just Charlie, I'm very happy to go there and talk about inherited purpose. I'm just going to acknowledge uh, that there are three the, there are three of these purpose diamonds, uh, and you've already mentioned Ed Rowland at the whole partnership. He and I co-created these diamonds together, although Ed actually had the original idea for the very first of the diamonds, which was to do with organisational purpose, and we could cover that later too. Um, and then Ed and I filled out the diamonds on a per for an individual and then at a team level. And you're absolutely right, in the south of the personal purpose diamond, we talk about inherited purpose. So these are sort mm. of the expectations in a way that are laid on us by 
typically by our family of origin. For many of us, that would be our parents, but you might have grandparents' expectations in there too. Um, you may well have met people yourself in your own coaching yeah. work, leaders, for example, yeah. who've gone into the family business because that's what was expected of them. Yeah, absolutely. But their heart is elsewhere. Um, and in my own family of origin, there was nothing specific that I was expected to be um, in terms of a specific profession. My mum was a teacher. My dad was a civil engineer. Um, but probably what was expected was to go into a secure uh, job with, let's say, a guaranteed monthly salary um, and to be a service in some way. Okay. And... It took me quite a while to realise that, I mean, I'm a bit of a social entrepreneur, really, and I've been self-employed for nearly two decades. And without wrestling with that uh, and breaking free of those expectations in a way, there's no way I'd be doing the work that I've done for the last 17 years or so. So the inherited purpose can have its gifts um so i'm still very service orientated and i've absolutely inherited that um but th sometimes we also have to break free of expectations to follow our own yeah. path and then if we move um up to the west that's where the personal purpose is the consciously believed purpose it's that the espoused mm -hmm. or articulated one what you believe you're about what you believe you're about and yes. then on the east is the actual lived one which could be different so i wonder how those are for you yeah and i'll just um thank you for covering both of those two at the same time so absolutely you're absolutely right we've got this horizontal dimension where we've got both the espoused and the lived and uh, Ed and I were inspired, and I'm wondering whether many of your listeners might be familiar with the work of Chris Argyris, um, the OD thinker and guru in the States, who talks about the difference between espoused values, for example, and then values in action, um, or an espoused theory, and then there's actually the theory in use. So we can in many ways observe there's a disconnect sometimes. And actually if I, again, for a moment, go back to my family of origin, my parents espoused um, and said, we just want you to be happy in your work because my dad hadn't been particularly fulfilled in his work. Um, he wished he'd been an architect more than a mm. civil engineer. Um, so that's what was espoused, but in actuality, uh, my parents drove me quite hard in some ways to get a good education and do very well and um, at school, at university. So I was kind of on to that. And I think what happened for me by my late 20s, early 30s was I was by this time working in the civil service as an occupational psychologist. And I wanted my work to be about making a difference to the quality of people's working lives. But in actuality, yeah. my lived purpose was I was often doing a lot of number crunching, writing mm. reports, doing statistical analysis to make sure recruitment tests didn't have an adverse impact on women, 
and people from ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. And so I experienced this disconnect in my own work that, again, I wasn't really feeling lit up by my day-to-day -day work. And that's what that horizontal dimension can lead us to, that realisation. So that's really, really helpful, you describing that. And thank you for being so open about your own story with this. It's really helpful, I think, for people to hear that illustration. And then if we move on to the North, and you mentioned North Star before, the true most compelling purpose that we might have. How did you get and find that? And is that, does that, do you have a sense that, in fact, that is now your actual lived purpose, I wonder? It's a really good question. And you may well have some wisdom to share on this yourself, like how any of us sort of orientate ourselves so we're following more of the North Star. And I think sometimes it can come in really small glimpses about what feels engaging and energizing. And so I'll give you a quick example. And this was, um, again, back in my days at the civil service, I was in a large government department doing all these reports. But one day I was asked to run a focus group. I was put on a different project and it was a tiny group. It was about three or four people. I went home that day and I noticed I mm. felt much more energized and I'd enjoyed my day's work much more. And I realized there must be something about working in close contact yes. with people and particularly people in a group that was captivating for me. And to cut a long story short, I did then take some training in coaching, in facilitation. Then I started getting interested in leadership development work. And to bring it right up to date, um, as I said at the beginning, the majority of my time these days is spent coaching teams. And I look back now and think, gosh, I had that really, that glimpse through doing the focus group work. It's, a, it's, and it's about noticing those moments, isn't it? And having, having that sort of sense of, of really listening to ourselves and the wisdom that's there, you know, even if it's a little small thing to go, oh, yes, maybe I should listen to that little voice. Yeah. And, and just explore where it might take me. Yeah. Can you relate to that in yourself, in your own navigation? Oh, completely. And I was, I've been thinking about this because I, I kind of wondered if you might decide to turn the tables on me. Yeah, I'd but... love to hear a bit. <laughs> so you sort of have a little bit. So as I was out walking my dog this morning, Molly, I have to give her a promo, Molly the Lancashire Healer with two E's. Hello, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking so what is my inherited purpose then? I'm just like, what, what? And what I've, I, I kind of wondered is, okay, so what I got from my father, I can see, who was an insurance agent, who perhaps should have been mm -hmm. somebody who worked with his hands as a carpenter and joiner, that he had a family to support, but that engaged him with human beings and, you know, selling, is an interest in human psychology. That's what I got from him. Mm -hmm. What I think I got from my mum is an interest. I mean, he was a very keen gardener as well, but she was too. And she had grown up in the East End of London and wanted to have her own garden and wanted to be out, you know, to be able to see the countryside. And I think that's what came from her. So I, I've all my life, I've had these two things of humans and, you know, how do they work? 
because I'm also a, a psychologist yeah. and people in the and the environment. So for a long time, I brought these two together. Yeah, I did I did a social science too, but then I went off and did a master's in it's called landscape ecology design and maintenance. But the the, the dissertation I did with that was about community uses of wasteland. So I sort of mm-hmm. going back to this other part of me. So. I have the same thing of, you know, proper job. In fact, my mum told me I should join the civil service. And I said, never in a million years will I do that. I ended up working for a government agency. And indeed, so I sort of did, you know, how prophetic were her words. Yeah. So what's happened of late in the last um, five or so years is going back into my people space. Um through being part of um, mm. the internal coaching network in the organisation I was working in. Right. Um, and then getting training to be a coach. And I'm just, I'm, it's like being, yeah. for me, it's like being in a, a warm jacuzzi. It's like real mm, community of, of, of interest and understanding and attending to how to support people to be the best of themselves and to pursue what is their, I suppose, you know, you've used the term North Star, how to support them to do that and to realise their potential. But mm-hmm. that, that, that notion of human potential goes rocks right back yeah. to my first degree and, and the human potential movement. And Absolutely. Right, John he was a lovely Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ah, yeah. Okay. So, but there's sort very of, good. There's, yeah. So there's a weaving gone on. There's a weaving gone on. Yeah. 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 And what I love in your story, and thank you for for sharing, is like that. You've got the thread from your father and his working career, and the thread from your mother. They've woven together, and then you are you following your own unique yeah. path as well. Indeed, kind of indeed. And, and from your story as well, I notice how um, the, the being in service has been a thread that's gone all the way through. And, and that's, that's exactly what your book is going to be doing, I think, being of service in a big way. Oh, but, but before we get on to the book, can we just pause and hover a minute over, sure. over that purpose diamond, as you quite rightly said, it can be used working with teams and with organisations. And just look at some of the kind of Mm -hmm. elements of organisational purpose that you've encountered. And in your book, you refer to Aaron Hurst's work on the purpose economy. And this description, it really um, struck me. Running an organisation today without essential emphasis on purpose is similar to running an organisation in the early 1990s and failing to embrace information technology. In other words, it's totally myopic. It's a very powerful point to make. Oh, well, I was really, I've been really inspired by Aaron Hurst's work and, you know, he's making the, the point about, yeah, he's calling it the purpose economy. Um, so building an economy that's really fit for human beings you know that's really putting people uh, at the center there and in some ways i think it comes down to what really creates sustainable value 
in an organization. And particularly in these times of COVID-19 and the surging Black Lives Matter movement, and of course, a ever-present climate crisis as well, I think there's increasing pressure on organizations to create value for a sustainable future and to create workplaces that are inclusive, where people can truly flourish um, as human beings. And I think orientating a business, um, an organization, so it's truly of service to people and the planet. So it's really creating value for long-term well-being um, is going to be one of the key factors of organizational success going forward. It already is. There's a growing business case for that. And I think the organizations that miss that, a bit like those organizations, I'm thinking of, for example, Kodak, and many of us are familiar with the story of Kodak, who, you know, didn't embrace the change in technology and what was happening in the world of photography. And, it, you know, an organization by not keeping up with the drivers for creating value can, won't survive. And so I think Aaron Hurst's point, his comparison is a really good one going back to um, technological change. Mm. And, and, you know, you're quite rightly um, are pointing to the, the waves, really, of impacts that organisations and businesses are fading into with the, the global pandemic at the front of that now. But in there, mixed in it and in the surf and behind it is, is of course, um, the climate and biodiversity emergencies and the social inequalities part, that are part of that and have been so shown up through what's happened yeah. during the global pandemic and who's been most hit by it. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if, if, it's, if, if it's not to betray confidences, if you could point to any purpose-driven organisations and leaders in the UK in particular that are enabling themselves to actually face into this by being, being given, giving room to what their, their true purpose is. Well, there's a couple of resources that I would point um, listeners to. So um, some listeners may or may not be aware of the growing B Corps movement um, across the world. So B Corporations are organisations that volunteer, if you like, to go through a rigorous assessment process of their ESG credentials, their environmental social governance track record and they're assessed by an independent laboratory in the states and if they if they pass the assessment they have this b corps certification that whole movement is growing in the uk i think there's about 200 b corps organizations so they um, include i think abel and cole for example and uh, cook um, the company. So there's about 200 in the UK, but that movement is growing worldwide. And I think it's really interesting that companies are opting to go down that route. And I think there's an increasing awareness that that will strengthen organisations, um, both from an investor point of view. Investors want to put a stake in companies that are really creating sustainable value. 
um, and people are increasingly wanting to buy products and services from companies that are making a real difference. So there's the B Corps movement. I think that's really interesting to watch and be part of. And the other resource I was going to point listeners to is uh, there's a wonderful company and website created by Peter Thompson, who's a fellow Brit, um, and his company is called The Ethworks. If you think of the word ethical and you just take the first three letters, E-T-H, so the Ethword, S-word, and he's created a series of videos, most of them are a minute and a half, two minutes with leaders. So, for example, he's interviewed Rosie Brown, who's the CEO of Cook, but he's also interviewed people from uh, Patagonia, from Deloitte, a former Coca-Cola uh, director, and is exploring with them this whole territory of purpose-led leadership. And watching those videos, I'm really struck by the emphasis on the human dimension of leadership mm. and making it okay for people to say, I don't know, or I messed up, yep. I didn't get that right, mm. uh, you know. So I think in some ways, leadership is about being tough on issues, but easy on people. And I look at those videos and think there's a really inspiring generation of leaders coming through that are more that are purpose-led right here in the UK as well as other corners of the world. That's brilliant to hear. And um, it does also leave me wondering, so is there an equivalent for our local government or or government departments, or I'm just, I think, I think a lot of emphasis gets put on the business community when sometimes, you know, you and I have both worked within those other bureaucratic structures. It might be useful to have more purpose-led focus within those organisations as well. Is there any, is there any thing you can point to that's supporting that attention? Gosh, I haven't, I'm just scanning my, <laughs> the clients I'm working with at the moment. And I do do some public sector work as well as third, the yeah. not-for-profit sector and private sector. Don't think I'm currently working at a local government level. But I, what I'm struck by is that I think there's a real opportunity in the public sector as well as the not-for-profit sector to be more purpose-led. Because in a way, that's right there. Yep. You know, so we've got in the private sector, some organisations choosing to repurpose themselves. Um, but you could say in some way that's an easier orientation to make in... It should, should be, be. Yes. yeah. Well, we shouldn't use the should word, but no. yes, ideally, yeah. it, it's, you know, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think ultimately, you know, if it's about, there's a wonderful um, charity here in the UK called Blueprint for Better Business. And they also have some very good resources, papers that they publish and so on. Yeah. Again, about purpose-driven business and really supporting leaders and organisations to go on this journey. You know, and they talk about ultimately it's all about, you know, providing goods that are good yeah. and services that really serve, you know, that are, you know, true services. Yes. 
That's yes. the one, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and certainly my experience of my local government here in Stroud, where I'm living, living is that they have really served during this, this time. You know, the bins kept being emptied. They've supported people with food. And, you know, homeless people have been got off the street really quickly. There's been a lot of, of obvious really stepping up in terms of offering service. That's brilliant to hear. Mm. I'll just share a quick observation from here in Shropshire. So I live yeah. in Shrewsbury. And one of the... You're up the road. Oh, just up the road, yeah. <laughs> one of the interactions that is always efficient and feels good for me is when I interact with the people at the council that do the recycling. Mm. They get back to me quickly. If something goes missing, they replace it. And I'm often left, and this is me just in the role of a, a citizen of Shrewsbury, thinking, is there efficiency and this kind of positive energy that I experience there transmitting, does it stem from the fact that their work um, in the, at the council feels meaningful for them? And, and I don't know, I'm just speculating, but I do That's wonder. That's a really good thought. I think there's somebody's research, PhD research there. <laughs> but but yeah. thank you very much for all of that. That's really brilliant. So just the last thing I wanted to ask you before we move on to the book itself is, is that in Powered by Purpose, you described the goal offered to the UK government by an advisory panel of top-level leaders as, as, as a stretching goal, I think. Um, by 2026, all... UK businesses will have a purpose that includes serving society and the environment. I wonder how close you consider UK businesses to be to that at six years time. Yeah, I mean, when I read that, I was so struck by it. And thank you for kind of underlining that vision. And I think uh, they, they, it goes on to say that, you know, the vision is that the most successful businesses in the UK will be those that manifestly deliver on their purpose. And I would say the picture is mixed. Overall, I feel optimistic and there is a way to go. And one of the reasons I say that is there is actually a new UK corporate governance code and that is requiring boards to establish a company's purpose and their values and their strategy and to satisfy itself that those and the culture are aligned so that's great news that's good and then and I'm grateful to blueprint for better business drawing my attention to this recently they were pointing out that there's actually then little guidance given as to what constitutes purpose. And very recently, the um, FRC, so the Financial Reporting Council, produced their first report on the adoption of that new code amongst FTSE 100 companies. And it was disappointing to hear that um, their assessment was, their observation was that too many companies have actually substituted a slogan or a marketing yep. line for their purpose. Mm. And so 
I think it's great that purpose is getting more and more attention. I think the pandemic has thrown it really into sharp relief because more businesses are saying, why do we exist? What's the value that we add? And I think then in terms of leaders embodying that purpose and organisations aligning their culture, treating their people, building relationships truly in line with that purpose, we have quite a long way to go. Thank you very much. That's a very fulsome answer. And and it very it neatly brings us to your book and to, and to something that you quote in there that the Financial Times wrote. They they called purpose a black box that all its workings are hidden from view. Would it be correct to describe your book as an offering a description of those hidden workings and how to get it the gears going? Hmm. I think that's a lovely way to describe it. And, and thank you. I think it what you're tapping into there is, again, some of my own motivation to write the book. So, you know, I'm not a theorist. I'm not an academic. I'm absolutely a practitioner. I'm on the corporate pitch. And what I'm interested in is kind of what really works um, in the boardroom, in the meeting room. And I wasn't satisfied you know I didn't want to accept that the that the workings the mechanisms of purpose would remain just invisible and so I wanted to see if there is a way of laying out what those uh, mechanisms were and then translating that into really practical tools and I know we've covered one around we just touched on it on one of the purpose diamonds yes. but What are tools that leaders can use in their boardroom meetings, but not just that, in their everyday conversations, you know, whether that's walking around the factory or, you know, being in a Zoom meeting for becoming more purpose-led. So the book is very practically orientated. And you cover core capacities in there, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. The book's structured in two main ways. So the first part, after laying out the business case, there is there are four capacities that I encourage leaders to develop. And I could cover those briefly. The other piece of the structure, I talk about the three bridges of purpose, uh, which relate to you know activating purpose on the individual team and organizational level and i use the metaphor of a bridge because it's about kind of going on a journey from a place um so for example at an organizational level where an organization might currently be orientated around maximizing return to shareholders yeah. to going on the journey where an organization is absolutely still profitable you know money in many ways is the sort of the lifeblood of an organization. But they go on the journey of, as we've talked about, truly making a difference in the world, taking their people with them. And in a way you could say that's a very ambitious journey to go on. And I think it will make the organization much more future-proof. So those are the three bridges. And then in terms of the capacities, would you like me to kind of give it? Headline. Just very briefly, yeah. Just sketch them out. Headline. Yeah, so first one, I talk about cultivate leadership presence. And in a way, that's the most invisible one, because that's about what goes on inside us. But we're 
you know, fully here in the moment, in the meeting room, attending to the energy um, and our relationships with people, tuning into what we feel the future's calling us to do. So that's about present. And perhaps being able to be vulnerable as well. Absolutely. Yeah, because if we're actually very grounded and rooted in ourselves, we're okay Mm. with talking about things we don't know or mistakes we've made. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It links with vulnerability. And then the second capacity um, is make dialogue authentic. So develop your ability to have those bigger conversations about why we exist. And that might also, um, I'm just thinking about Paul Polman when he arrived at Unilever and he abolished quarterly reporting so that um, people could put their eyes and attention on a longer time horizon. That can be a very difficult conversation because people are giving up old loyalties so yes authentic dialogue is our second capacity the third one is all about engaging stakeholders and you you, I mean you and I met in on a systemic uh, leadership program so you know you'll know this but you know how do you engage a full ecosystem of stakeholders employees customers suppliers investors and so on So I write about mapping and systemic work in that part of the book. And then finally... Well, I'm just going to say that the the ultimate stakeholder, of course, is the planet. Indeed. Absolutely. The planet, future generations, nature, who doesn't have its own voice, very well said. They are the ultimate stakeholder. Yes. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, that yeah, third um, capacity and the final one. I've called it connect on purpose, and uh, and we've covered much, some of that territory already. Thank you for explaining that. You're very welcome. I think I think it'll help people understand um, how you've laid it out and engage them in wanting to to read it, which brings us absolutely to the book. And I've I've got another quote now about how it's been described. This this is by Esther Foreman, who's the chief executive of the Social Change Agency, and she describes Powered by Purpose as compulsory reading for any leader searching for purpose and looking to authentically transform their organisation, people and planet for positive impact. And you've already described how it um, contains um, ideas for practical support that people can, um, practical approaches to how they can look at purpose and develop purpose for their organisation. Can they do this work on their own? Or, or is it best done with a coach or a consultant? It's a very good question. I mean, I think many leaders really benefit from having a sounding board. Yeah. And that could be a trusted colleague um, it could be a wise friend Um, I think there's absolutely a role for coaches and um, you know people that can help leaders to think through some of these bigger and bolder questions Um, and that's not about keeping any of us in a job you know but I do no 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 I do think that it's Purpose involves, in a way, chunking up 
to another level yeah. of conversation. Why am I here? You know, what's the value I'm adding? How is the world? Those big, big questions. Absolutely. And I think it, because that's a real gear shift, mm. there is a place um, for engaging um, a coach or a mentor to just have a conversation in a more expansive way mm. yeah. and there's a long list of those for whom power by purpose has been written um, and and it includes the millennial generation i just wanted yeah. to say a little bit more about why you hope it will appeal to them i mean yes they're the future leaders um, i'm just deeply curious about that and your thoughts on that well, I know much has been written about the millennial generation. They sort of say, oh, gosh, we're the most, you know, observed generation. Um, and there are many things that have been said. One of my own senses is that amongst younger people, there is an increasing appetite for work that is meaningful. You know, work that isn't just about contributing to the bottom line yeah. or lining somebody else's pockets. Yeah. And I've, you know, just in everyday conversations as well as things that I'm reading, you know, think that it's great that young people are being quite vocal about that yeah. and are wanting to work, increasingly wanting to work for companies that are out there making a difference. That's what's motivating for them. And, you know, empowered by purpose, I sort of write about from a psychological perspective, you know, wanting to make a difference, I think, is an innate human desire. And that's what's exciting about purpose driven organisations and work is it's tapping into that natural desire. I think young people are in a way more in touch with that. And maybe there's an opportunity here that that natural expression can find more outlets and in that way I think young people are actually showing the way to us in older generations and I think that's really exciting. Yeah I, th I think you're absolutely right. I also wondered about the finer grain businesses and organisations and we've already talked a little bit about local government and mentioned not-for-profits but uh, uh, what about um, those those more local organisations and the interfaces they have with beneficiaries. Do you think the book will support those leaders to deliver on purpose as well? I really hope it does. I really hope that there might be a gem or two in the book that would help people, as you say, in more you know who are operating more locally, because actually work that has a local impact you could argue feels more meaningful you know and there's some I quote some research in the book that's been done in call centres in call centres where they've been fundraising for universities and actually when they have enabled conversations between the call centre employees and the beneficiaries, so the people who actually benefited from a grant mm. for their studies, um, their productivity w went up significantly because they were in touch with the beneficiary. Mm. And I think in a local setting, it's really, there's a real opportunity for strengthening that connection. And I think in the world 
know, sometimes they talk about the globalization hangover, you know, and how many people are feeling disenfranchised or left behind by the globalization move. And, you know, what's the counter movement to that? I think it is about strengthening local decision making, local impact. Um, and so, um, although that's not the main focus of the book, I really hope there might be an insight or two that are helpful for people in those roles too. And from what you've you've told us um, and how you've described the book and who you're you're hoping to influence through it, it seems to me that it's, it is exactly what's needed to energise people to do the great work that our times demand. That's a lot. So I'd really appreciate you, all the time you spent on this. Um, where can people find out about you, your work, and, and of course, the latest book, Powered by Purpose? Oh, thank you. Well, the book, so Powered by Purpose, will be available on multiple websites. So Waterstones, Barnes & Noble, as well, of course, Amazon, where it's available as a Kindle edition. It's already available in that form, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. It's being downloaded as we speak, I understand. <laughs> so um, that's really exciting. And my own um, consulting company, which is my website, I, I called it Bridgework Consulting. So it's bridgeworkconsulting.com. And people are very welcome to get in touch with me there or indeed on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm active on social media. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for giving me your time, Sarah. Really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Jenny. And I wish you every luck with the sales. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I wonder what the third one will be. Oh, I I wonder. I wonder. I won't stop writing. There's more writing in progress, so we will see what yeah, emerges. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. But thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you. We're recording this just as July ends, so I'm going to wish you a happy August. Likewise. I've really enjoyed talking take with care. you. Thank, thank you. you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate that. If you want to listen to more Coaching Conversations podcasts, there's one a month, you can find them on my website at www.coachingwithintent.co.uk and on whichever platform you go to for your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a review if you're inspired to and get in touch if you'd like to know more as a result of listening. Take care.